Good. You guys are, uh, you're surprised me, but you're going to be the involved and the many and the humble. That's going to be you all today. You're going to be the involved and the many and the humble. Because I want to really involve you in what I'm doing today. Uh, as far as some little interaction, uh, I'm going to show you some videos, some folks. I'm going to ask you some questions. I need kind of your participation here a little bit. So it's kind of a little warning. So you can't just kind of sit and watch because I really need you to uh, jump in here with me. Now I have some uh, outlines and I have a few extra here too. Uh, if there were some in your pew that looked like this. And I'm going to kind of follow this pretty well today because I want you to kind of know where I'm heading so you can kind of, again, uh, participate a little bit at certain points. If you don't have one, uh, you hopefully there's one near you. And I do have a few extra up here as well. Now, I have a little question here. This is my little opening one to get you guys thinking with me today is this. Is what is the most enjoyable thing you do? I had to do a few more. Carol, you want a couple of these? Anybody need some more? Um, anyway, what is the most enjoyable thing you do? Anybody need one? Raise your hand if I can get you a couple. All right. Just spit it out. What, is, what are some enjoyable? Just tell me something enjoyable that you do. Tell me. What else? Pass that down. You bet. Tell me some more. Just say something. Tell me what's something enjoyable that you do. Trip? Uh, travel. All right. Travel. That's funny. Thanks. Thanks. Like that. Travel. All right. What else? What is something else enjoyable that you do? Tell me. What's that? Make money? Is that what I heard? What was that? Okay. No, that may that wasn't it. All right. What else? Give me something else. Great. Chilling. Spend time with family. Hope you had a chance to do a little bit of that. Anybody else with a hand raised? Got to put one more here. Thank you, guys. All right. Spend time with family. That's a great one. What else? What are some other enjoyable things that you like to do? All right. Sleep. Good call. All right. Sleep. Hang out with family. Great. Reading. Love that. All right. Reading. That's a great one. Love to read. I'm with you on that one. What else is something more enjoyable you like to do? All right. Great. Bill? Trout fish. Ah, you have some uh, nods on that one. There were some other folks that love the idea of trout fishing. Amen. Those are great things. All right. There are a lot of, and those are great enjoyable things. They really are. But I have a little blanket. I think it's probably the most enjoyable thing. You think, what could it be? The most enjoyable thing that never gets old, that never gets old. What could that be? The most enjoyable thing that never, never gets old. It's this. God using you to influence other people towards Christ, okay? That's, that's, if you, if you want to walk out now, you can do that. That's kind of what we're talking about today. God using you to influence others towards Christ. That's the big long blank there. If you want to fill that in, it really impressed me. I'd like that. But, all right, so God using you to influence other people to move towards Christ. Now, I want to show you a little video here in a second, but let me kind of cue it up. Um, Daryl Smith is here. Alan Gerbich is not. Alan's a new member of the church, and Drew's been, uh, and uh, Daryl's been here for a number of years. And uh, Daryl and Alan both work at Pantex. And uh, Daryl, as a matter of fact, was part of the committee that brought Alan to work at Pantex, and they developed a friendship over time. They had a chance to know each other. They have a lot in common. They're both engineers. They both are kind of, uh, they think kind of alike. And uh, they had a relationship that grew and developed. And uh, what I want to show you now, first I want to show you Daryl as the first one there and talking about his relationship with Alan. And then there's going to be a small little blank and then Alan's going to come up and talk about his experience uh, as well and that friendship and how uh, some folks uh, influenced uh, Alan in his walk with Christ. Okay? Great. Paul? Alan's very analytical. I mean, super analytical type guy. So one day... 
I, I closed the door in my office and I noticed, or I asked him, I go, Alan, is there any way I can help you? Is there something, because you just, you just don't seem to be performing, you know, at, at the tops. And he shared with me some, you know, uh, intimate, uh, you know, about his personal uh, relationships with some friends, you know, that he was dealing with. His, and then all the logistics of houses and finances and everything else. Knowing that Alan was analytical and I wanted to help and I knew, I knew what would help. He he needed he needed Jesus. He need he need, he needed to you know share that burden. He needed to he needed to come to Jesus. But I knew he was analytical, and I never heard him talk about church, God, anything. I was able to discern that. I just came out and asked him, you know, do you, do you believe in God? And he didn't give me a straightforward answer, so he was unsure. I could tell that there was a little bit of that, but. He, you know, he he was not a, a true believer. Knowing he was analytical, I, I just did something because I was in his situation for for a long time. Not that I had the troubles that Alan had, but I I was a non-believer for many years, and I'm sort of analytical. I read a book that was given to me uh, by my wife, uh, "Case for the Creator," Lee Strobel, and. It's a book that talks about astronomy, talks about uh, physiology, all the things that if you read it and you're analytical, I don't know how you can come away without after reading that book not really saying, I, yeah, there, there's a God. And I, you know, so I, it was sort of like bait. <laughs> I hate to use that term. But I knew that that might have an impact. And he's a voracious reader. I go, this might work. And then when he came back, and I could tell that he was changing a little bit, and we had some private conversations, I knew my limitations. I, I'm a new believer, relatively new, okay? I haven't been a believer all my life. I knew just what, you know, basically, that the next step was that the, the family at this church that I've, I've been inducted into, I pointed him to the church. Basically, I, I, you know, I don't want to use the term professionals, but people like you, Murr, and others that I knew that could, you know, I, I was given the ball to you. I was given the ball. You carry the ball now because I knew that I didn't have enough background and foundation still to really get him to the next level. So I'm thankful for the church. And, and like I said, um, I, I just felt an obligation. He was a friend. And, uh, you know, as it says in the Word, we're all called to take care of our friends, our brothers. But I, I realize my limitations, and I'm glad that, you know, First Prez and, and the people here just engulfed him and, and are able to, you know, to take it to the next step. Alan, just tell us a bit about your spiritual journey. Well, it uh, started about four years ago, moved to Amarillo, and then... About two years of, uh, of a lot of stress, and uh, so this would have been the summer July of 2012, or I'm sorry, 2013. Just really, uh, I was just really broken by all the stress, all the life stressors, and uh, so uh, uh, I. My coworker Daryl Schmidt uh, saw that I was having stress and he called me into his office and he uh, said, uh, you know, I see that you have some stress and um, I hope you receive 
my my words to you. Uh, I hope I hope they help. And he told me his testimony uh, of how he came to Christ in his life and uh, what it meant to him. And uh, he handed me a book, being both being mechanical engineers, very logical. Uh, he handed me a, a book, A Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel. Very analytical book, uh, lots of cases, a lot of science of debunking uh, things. And uh, so I, I started reading that, and uh, that, that really sustained me. And uh, 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 Murray tells uh, a story about uh, some statistics that on average it takes about 26 people to hear their, their testimonies for you to come to Christ. Uh, in my case, I think it's 127. And um, so uh, it turns out that uh, my take on things is that Daryl was number 126 by handing me that book. And my uh, old college buddy, Tim Pierce, uh, who I've known, uh, who we went to school together and got our mechanical engineering degrees, I've known him for 30 years, he was number... 27, 38, 52, 101, 110, 111, and he was 127. So uh, one night in, I think it was August or September, he called and I was just broken. And uh, we talked about it and he explained things and would you like to accept Christ? And uh, I finally accepted Christ and uh, the uh, the Holy Spirit just, I was I was ready. I was I was broken and I was ready, and uh, so he was number 127, and I accepted Christ, and now I'm a a year and a half or so, and um, I'm walking, learning to walk in faith. Is that not beautiful? It was. All right. Um, What are some things that you picked up in that those two friends uh, work together? Uh, what are some kind of principles you might say that of uh, being an influence for Christ that you saw there? What are some just some things that you say? Ah, here's a principle or a thought. All right, Mary Lou. Courage. courage. Yeah, there took some took some courage on Daryl's part to take that initiative to bring up a spiritual conversation. All right, great. What else do you see? Yeah, uh, no one can deny your story, right? So he just kind of shared his story with uh, with Alan. And part of that story was that book, uh, Case for a Creator. So that, that book meant something to Daryl. So it, when something means something to you, you're passing it on to someone else that you care for. So great. Personal story, something personal that meant something to uh, Daryl. What else do you see there? Kind of principles. Say again? Yeah, personal. Again, that, uh, I know that Alan knew that Daryl cared. Okay? He knew he cared. So a person who cares goes a long way. You know, that whole expression, people don't care how much you know, they know how much you care. Right. So personal example, uh, that, that Daryl was invested in Alan. They, they cared for each other. What else do you see there? Any other kind of principle or something that jumps out at you as far as just being an influence to help people move towards Christ? Anything else you see there? Ah, great thing. Yeah, I didn't see him see that, Betty. Yeah, that friend hung in there, hung in there with Alan through, th- through years, actually, 30 years. I, it's a long time. So I love that example of hanging in there through the ups and downs of relationship. Great, Betty. Great in- insight. Terry. Into just thinking through, uh, just, yeah, being 
Yeah, yeah, okay. He cared enough. He was yeah, spiritually aware. That's a great, that's a great comment. He knew there was a need there. He picked up on that. That's, that's really great insight, too. Um, the one thing I think I want to add to that is that uh, Daryl realized uh, um, reaching out and influencing folks for Christ is a group sport. It's a group sport. It's not just Daryl out there by himself. Daryl realized, hey, this, it takes a team. It takes a group of people. I'm not that, I'm not just fishing, and, you know, in the, old, in the Old Testament days, when Jesus ran it, was they had nets, they had groups of people do that. You know, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Fishing was a group sport. So it's not, again, I, I, I saw that too, and Daryl sure took advantage of the body for us. You all, you all, I, this is an aside that, uh, I was talking to people recently in the church, and there's a guy that uh, joined the church. And he said, remember, I grew up in kind of a legalistic, beat-me-up kind of uh, atmosphere. And when I came to First Press, I discovered grace. I discovered grace. Another man in the church who had been in the hospital recently, I was chatting with him. He said, I grew up in, I grew up in Amarillo, but I grew up in a, in a home. It was like, earn your boot, you know, pull yourself by your own bootstraps, earn it. You got to earn it. You got to do it. He said, it wasn't until later in his life, he understood, no, it's all about what Jesus has done for me. It's about the grace of Jesus Christ. That's just in the last couple of weeks I've heard those stories from people here. You know, we, uh, we receive grace in Christ, and we're called to be grace dispensers, aren't we? We're called to be in this church. I, I, think, I think about my 25 years here, I was joking a little earlier. I said, hey, I'm not any good, but I'm still here. And uh, the idea is that I'm still here because of the grace dispensers. There's people here that continue to love and give and serve. And when people are around those kind of folks, man, you, you want to hang out. You want to be with those kind of folks that are grace dispensers. And I'm sure, what, I've experienced it in my own life, and I hear the, the testimonies of many other folks as well. Um, well, let me, if I could, let me pray now. I'm going to read the section of Scripture um, from 2 Corinthians. Let me pray. Lord, we do thank you again for your amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Lord, we thank you for just the story of Daryl and Alan. We thank you, Lord, that you use caring relationships, folks that would uh, just be uh, bold enough to have a spiritual vision and to care, uh, to share their story, like uh, Matthew said. And Lord, we thank you that you're about using us. What a joy it is to be an influence upon others to help them move towards Christ. So, Lord, we uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of Scripture. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that illumines your word and convinces our heart. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to turn now. This is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. I'm going to read 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Page 1228 in your pew Bible. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on, Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. 
Let me just tell one other quick story um, um, about my past. I grew up in a home that was, um, we went to church, but uh, during my high school years, uh, though I, I just considered uh, Roger Staubach, Tom Landrick are my heroes in those early years in Dallas. But it really wasn't until after my freshman year in college that I had a good friend ask me to live in the Young Life summer house with him. I wasn't involved in Young Life during my high school years, but Young Life's a parachurch organization that uh, reaches out to unchurched high school kids. That's Young Life. A lot of you are familiar with that. And so I did Young Life uh, training for a summer in 1973. And then I had another friend, or a guy I didn't know, actually, he was a regional director of Young Life named George Norris, asked me to uh, work in a Young Life club with him. And I was so honored that somebody thought I could do something, so I said yes to that. And then I was assigned uh, a certain club, and then there was a guy named Aaron Fleming. And Aaron Fleming was about three or four years older than me. And Aaron just had a real heart for high school folks. And I went to Bible studies that Aaron taught. I hung out with Aaron at the high school. I'd go to football games with Aaron. And I just saw the way Aaron loved kids. But also I saw the way that Aaron prayed. Aaron prayed faithfully. I was around Aaron when he prayed. And I just saw his heart for kids. I saw his heart for prayer to lift kids, their needs, their experiences. Kids very far from Christ. I just was around Aaron as he did that. And, uh, you know, so much of life is much more caught than taught, isn't it? We catch stuff from people we hang out with and we're around. We we catch so much of of life and perspective and things. And I guess I kind of caught from Aaron. I thought, as I saw Aaron's life, I thought, you know, I want that for me. I want that for me. I said, I want to see God use me in relationships, pointing people towards Christ, that they might grow closer to him. And by my senior year in, in college, I thought, gosh, what else would I do? Well, that's when I went off to seminary and things, went, moved on from there. But it was really that kind of modeling of Aaron and his, uh, his way he was with his with prayer, with God. And, and it, wasn't just an, it wasn't an accident that God used him. It wasn't an accident. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was something that, that God answered Aaron's prayer and used him mightily. But anyway, so that was huge in my life as far as influence. Now, let me look at the scripture here just real quickly. And there, there are three principles here that I want to mention. And the first is uh, it's God's initiative and work. God's initiative and work. Now, originally this sermon title was come and go. And I thought the idea of us coming to Christ and then going and taking what we learn and what we know about Jesus to others. But as I looked at the scripture, it's really God comes to us. God comes to us. He's the initiating God. It was really his plan. We were rebels. We were sinful. We were enemies of the gospel. We were enemies of Christ. He was the one that he initiated. He thought of it. He initiated towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This section of scripture is replete with the initiating God. All this is from God. God was reconciling. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of of God. So our salvation is really the idea of God, the creation of God. He is the one who took the initiative. And if you look at the scripture, you know, we think, well, the Bible is a story about, you know, a bunch of good people or folks that did great things. The Bible really isn't that. The Bible really is a story of God's long-suffering, faithfulness, pursuit of people in rebellion. That's really what the Bible is. The Bible is a, a description of a loving father who cares so much, he, he just chases people throughout Scripture. Long-suffering, 
faithful, patient, pursuing. So it's really all about God's initiative and his work. Second is this, in in this section of scripture, is that we are called to go. We're called to be ambassadors. Again, verse 18, gave us the ministry. Verse 19, commit to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, that we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. Now, if you think about what an ambassador is, what is an ambassador? Now, if you represent a country or a group of people, one, you, you go there and you do represent someone else. So, and that's us as, as, as Christ followers. We represent someone else. But as an ambassador, we speak, but not with our authority. We speak with the authority of Christ. We speak, uh, we speak his wisdom. We speak his words as we're open to being used. So uh, it's not our authority or our life particularly. It's really the work of Christ. So we are his ambassador speaking words of authority based upon who he is and what he has done. So what a privilege to be an ambassador for Christ, representing him in relationships that we develop, as well as speaking with his authority uh, into relationships, much like Daryl did, pointing him towards Christ. God's initiative work. We are his ambassadors. And finally, the, thir- the third part here is response to the gospel. In verse 20, it says, be reconciled to God. And those who do respond, they are a new creation. The old have passed away. Behold, the new have come. We urge people. We're one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Uh, we're pointing people not to us, but to Christ. So, and we hope they respond. And it's not really our responsibility. I always love that old definition of evangelism or reaching out. is taking the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God. It's really God's work. He's the one who opens people's eyes to the truths of the gospel. You can't, you know, you can't strong somebody into, into the kingdom. It's something that, that really the Holy Spirit has to do. It's his work. So we can rest and trust him for that. Okay. The third uh, point here in this outline is this. And I mentioned uh, Philip Yancey's book a little bit earlier called uh, Vanishing Grace. And a few years back, I love Yancey's book. I love Philip Yancey as an author. And he wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And so when this, this book came out recently, I quickly bought it and wanted to read it. And he talked about this. He said there are three different kinds of people who really are in, influencers in our culture today. Three different types of people. Uh, because um, a lot of people are kind of hardened to the gospel, particularly in, in uh, folks in the Western culture. But there are three basic types of people that God particularly, that people tend to listen to, as, as Yancey says, sooner. Three different types of people, and I, I think this is interesting. The first one is this, pilgrims. People tend to listen to pilgrims more quickly. Now, what is a pilgrim? A pilgrim is someone who's just an honest follower of Christ. It's not some person says, hey, I've arrived, I've got it together, get your act together. That's not a pilgrim. A pilgrim is a person that is a fellow struggler, someone else that's, uh, that can, you can identify with that says, hey, I'm, I follow Christ and I have these issues in my life. These are things I wrestle with. I, I kind of like to use the illustration of, of, in my own life, I guess four of my kids are here today, uh, and, and, and I love all my kids. I love all five of my kids. I really, really do. But it's interesting, and as I've gotten older, that uh, the, the, the child I end up talking most about, love them all, proud of all of them, is my oldest son who had some years in the far country. I love all my kids, and like I said, I've got to make it real clear here, but the idea is this, where I'll get home and eat dinner, but the idea is that when, when kids are doing well, that's great. Everybody's 
they're happy for you, right? But when you have a child who struggles and you've been through heartache, and I've shared that before with you all, when I visit with people who also have children who struggle or grandchildren who go wayward, it's great to talk about my four kids are doing, you know, walking across, but when I share about the struggles that I've had and the agony that we went through, and all my kids know this, people really listen to that. And they really go, really, you really struggled? You hurt through that? That was hard for you? And there's a connection there. So a fellow pilgrim is a person who people tend to listen to much quicker than someone who feel like they got it all together, right? The second person who really is in our culture who people really listen to quicker, Yancey calls an activist, an activist. That's someone who does stuff. Bob Goff, a lot of you don't know who Bob Goff is, wrote a book called Love Does, and he says, he says this, you know, we shouldn't have Bible studies, we should have Bible doings. I like that, Bible, you know, let's do something. Love does, as Bob Goff talks about. Uh, Rick Warren says this, he says, 500 years ago, we had a Reformation, and that Reformation was about beliefs, but today the Reformation is about deeds, it's about doing things, you know, those a mission trip, a standing up for the unborn, uh, uh, other people who are, are oppressed or suffering, uh, uh, helping uh, the under-resourced families. Uh, the, the gospel is carried best by people who do stuff, right? Whatever you might be passionate about, whatever interests you, or your unique personality and style, um, but people who do things, that's an activist. And finally, the last person that uh, Yancey talks about who people listen to sooner, who have that kind of influence of moving people towards the kingdom, are artists. And this is really far from, from my abilities. Artists are people who, do, who have a living by creating, people who might write books or who they, they do films or the visual arts or music, um, all those kind of areas that um, are, are, are creative and they create things. Um, also, God uses greatly. It would be, uh, you know, for me, a Tim Keller, a John Stott, or a C.S. Lewis, or a, or a films, Chariots of Fire, Lord of the Rings, those, sort, those type things. Uh, music would be a, a Chris Tomlin, or, a, or a, you know, a handle. All kind of folks. Anyway, many things. Artists, you could kind of, kind of get through the culture. People hear them, and they influence people's lives. Okay, so kind of in conclusion today, I want to, I want to show you uh, three people um, who are just in their own relationships that they have and their own unique personalities, though I happen to know them pretty well. The, uh, God is using them uh, to influence people around them. And I wanted you to see these videos. Um, I would say... God is present on campus, and since I've been to Oklahoma State, um, he's very active, a lot of active guys on campus. Um, but me specifically, um, there's, well, I'm in a fraternity at Oklahoma State, um, and I'm just basically by myself, um, available and open, and um, God is in control, and he's sent, um, basically through different circumstances, I'm a guy that's younger than me in my fraternity, and we get together on a weekly basis, and we go through uh, different books, and we really like to challenge each other as far as intellectually and theologically. Um, I really do feel like there's an interest in um, us specifically as well as uh, my fraternity and Oklahoma State as a whole, and it's encouraging among us to um, really pouring into each other and 
having a ministry within that fraternity, but as well as on campus. And um, I'd say God's using me to um, reach reach guys um, by being available and being open. And I think um, by working through me that I'm able to have an impact. Uh, well, the last two years, um, I took two years off before college and I did a gap year program called Link Year where I was discipled and stuff. And so going into OSU, I was really already excited to talk about my faith. And, and actually, I've been praying about um, sharing the gospel with someone. And, and how a week later, um, I ran into an old lady on my way to a friend's house. And how in random conversation, which was planning on just being like five minutes, I ended up being a 45-minute conversation, getting to share the gospel with her. And it was just cool to see how I was wanting the Lord to use me in some way and how um, just going there and being faithful and have eyes to see an opportunity to do that. Um, the Lord um, gave me the courage to actually bring it up, which was really cool just to see how when we look out for opportunities to share um, the gospel and our faith that the Lord will provide those opportunities for us, which is really cool. Um, well, I am involved in Young Life, and so what we do is we go to high schools and just try to seek lost kids. And so this past semester, actually the past year, I've gone to the high schools, and this past semester, the Lord's kind of blessed me with four high school girls that I've just been able to love and be able to spend time with. And, I mean, there, ne- there hasn't necessarily been a profession of faith or I've accepted Jesus, but that is when I just continue to pray for them and continue to hang out with them and just stay faithful and that the Lord is going to provide opportunities for that. Those have to be my three kids, three of those five kids, all right? So I, I do know them pretty well. They're triplets. They all hang out together, so it's a good thing. But all right, let me, let me close with a couple of quick thoughts, a couple of kind of takeaways. And this is, I think, uh, I think they, each the three kids illustrate pretty well. One is uh, Luke is involved in his, just in the, the place where he lives, the relationships of folks that he naturally is connected to. So for you all, it would be family, uh, relatives, Folks that you naturally run into contact with, are you available? Uh, do you have the, that vision, a spiritual vision to be used by God in the, in the relationships of which God has you? Blair's illustration is a, is a different kind of availability. She has joined um, other people in a mission to have an impact for Christ. Um, and that's a different way that you can be available to God. You can join uh, different ministries or different organizations, be the Young Life or InterVarsity, or there are different uh, teams here in this church that minister uh, in different areas, be it Nuffs or be it um, the outreach team or it be whatever. So you can join others like Blair has done. You say, Lord, use me. I want to join the body of Christ and how they minister as a group together. And I love Joy's example of being available. It's just uh, serendipity, being, I'd uh, say, Lord, use me today. You know, the thing that happens in my life is so funny, uh, is that, you know, you have your day kind of planned how you're going to do it, and God always blows that up, right? It just, the day never happens the way you want, you're expecting it. That's kind of partly God saying, hey, I'm in charge, you're not. I'm in charge, you're not. But the question is, the, kind of the, the uh, divine encounters, you know, are you open in a day, kind of like Joy was. Joy hadn't planned that deal, but she was basically saying, hey, I'm available. Yeah, use me. And here's something kind of happened that she had not planned at all. So the question I want to challenge you with is, are you available? The relationships around you, are you available to me joining a team of some sort to serve together? Or just in a day, how does God might use you? Uh, 2015 will be an exciting experience for you. If this, you take this perspective of being available.
The last thing, and I kind of mentioned this last week, as far as prayer. And um, I think if you, I say, I say this often, but prayer is a four-letter word. Prayer is a four-letter word, spelled L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E. Do you love people? You're going to pray for them. If you pray for people, you will love them. It's interesting. If you begin to pray for people, you will love them more and more. It's, and if it's really God who works, if it's really God who changes lives, well, you're really wasting your time in one sense if you're just coming at them. It's really the Holy Spirit who changes lives, right? And so you are beseeching him, Lord, mysteriously, you will use my prayers to accomplish your ends. God is in charge. He's working his purposes out. He's the one who brings folks to understand grace, right? It's all his work. It's not you. You have to be an instrument in his hands. So if it's really him, prayer makes sense. Prayer makes sense. If we're going to be an influence for the kingdom. You know, there are a lot of things in life that are enjoyable. But the thing that never gets old is this, that God using you to influence others towards Christ. Be prayerful. Be available. 2015 will be an exciting year for sure. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your grace, your love, your presence. Uh, we thank you for some of the stories that we've heard today, some of the things we might just be encouraged. Lord, we're all unique. We're all wired differently. We all have different relationships. We all have different passions and concerns. But, Lord, we just want to be available in 2015. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Uh, Lord, because we know it's really all about you. It's all about your work. But thank you, Lord, mysteriously, you use us to accomplish your ends. We give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen.